Welcome to episode 22 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Scott Hagen, president of North Central University. And here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. I'm so excited about our interview and honored uh, to have this guest on today. We're going to be bringing him on in just a few minutes, but uh, let's give our listeners just a couple exciting updates in uh, my life, in your life. So just literally last Friday morning, you and I were Zoomed in to a one-night open-air crusade in Pakistan, just connecting with this same ministry that we've been uh, uh, serving for the last year and a half. And uh, that was just uh, an amazing, amazing time. They um, they took this huge open piece of property, which is really cool because it's in the same village where we just helped them mm-hmm. purchase property to build this school and orphanage. Right. So this event was happening in that same village. And they took this huge area and they set up using curtains, a huge triangle that probably could have sat a couple thousand people on Mm -hmm. the ground. Um, And then they covered it wall to wall with carpets and then chairs and platform and outdoor lighting because the event was at night and then sound and projector and screen and oh my goodness. I mean, they spent all day setting up. Then the meeting went till like 1030 at night, their time, and then they tore it all down. Mm -hmm. So the heart that this family ministry has for their people is just amazing. And you got to sing four songs and I actually Mm -hmm. did a song with you and then I got to speak and uh, it was just a, it was a really cool, a really cool time. Yeah. It was special seeing some of the same faces that we'd seen in person. Mm -hmm. It was crazy recognizing people. And obviously we're, we're good friends, close friends with the the staff there that was making it happen. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really great. So ongoing things happening there. They're already asking us to to do it again in a a couple of weeks if we can. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, and you've got some cool stuff happening. Yeah, just released the new single two weeks ago. Super excited about it called What You Gonna Do. Uh, If you haven't heard it yet, check it out. Um, Obviously, the intro music to this podcast is my song, Never Leave the Room, if you don't know that. And you can check that out on Spotify. And uh, just been a busy, you know, we've been, I've been on this Better Off This Way tour with my original music and Goose the Drummer. It's been a blast. So much fun. And we've been continuing to just book shows. Like we thought we'd be done in the summer and Mm -hmm. we just booked another show for November. So it's been really fun continuing with that. And I'll be a part of a couple different youth conventions this fall, leading worship at Iowa Youth Convention. I'll be playing at South Dakota. So really looking forward to another, it's just like I expected the summer to be busier in the fall and the Lord's been faithful and just continuing to bless this traveling ministry. So it's been fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And just this morning, I got to speak at our local high school Bible club. They've been having 45 students come every week. Yeah. And, and that's where to, I went. Yes, that's where you months. graduated. And you were actually a leader of this Bible club, right. this Ignite Bible club when you were there, Woodbury High School. And uh, and I was at Woodbury High School until I started doing PSEO at North Central University. Nice segue. Yeah. Nice segue. Nice segue. <laughs> so yeah, we are so excited. Welcome President Scott Hagen to yes. the Worship is Life podcast. No, great to be with you guys and hearing about your morning already. I, I've I've sat in my sweats and had two cups of coffee today, so that's <laughs> that's okay. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, this is the, the beginning of fall break uh, for the university, so all the students are dispersed around the 
back to their homes yep. and uh, things are a little light on the schedule for a couple of days as we catch our you know our midterm breath a little bit here this semester. Yeah, well my wife Brenda teaches piano there and she's enjoying being at home today as well. So um, yeah, well we're excited to uh, hear and talk a lot about North Central today. Um, but I remember, Scott, the first time that we met so vividly uh, five or six years ago, we were at one of our district, Minnesota Assemblies of God district events where I was leading the music and you were the speaker. And so we were connecting through that. But then in one of the sessions, you were talking about church planting and you were describing how we used to plant churches in our denomination. And then you gave a description of how we're currently planting churches. And what I was hearing, because I was just fresh off publishing uh, my Worship is Life book and talking a lot about, you know, God's relational pattern of revelation and response. And, and, what, and what I was hearing in your description, I'm like, I'm like, so we used to plant churches uh, looking through the lens of revelation, and now there's been a kind of a shift, and we've been planting churches a little more through the lens of, of response. And I just thought, I just feel like I need to share that with them. And so I'd, I'd ask you, I'm like, could we grab like 10 minutes after one of the sessions? And so we're at this convention center, and we found a space, private space in one of the back hallways. And, and I was, I was sharing that with you and, uh, it was just really clicking for you. And now when I look, when I look back to what you said in that moment, I'm just so blown away. Um, because I've learned that you are such a, a master with the English language, but in that moment, you said to me, he's like, I've seen what you're saying, but I have not been able to put it into words like that. And so that was really a cool moment for me to share that with you. And and then I also clearly remember us walking down the hallway and um, you uh, you have this, uh, this little strategy of um, strategic, uh, what, do we, what do you call it? Strategic, uh, when you're kind of telling a secret, when you're not supposed to be telling, strategic leaking, yeah. strategic, strategic leaking, you call leaking. it. Yeah, yeah. strategically. <laughs> and you said to me in private, by the way, I'm going to be the next president of North Central <laughs> University and you can't tell a soul. So I don't know if you remember much about that, our first meeting time, but that's a very vivid memory for me. Oh, absolutely. I remember that big, we found this big empty corner of this mm -hmm. convention lobby. And I remember the, the conversation well, and just that revelation and response um, is was a powerful framework <coughs> for explaining, I think, the, the correct way of the Lord's leading, the Lord's initiating mm. um, of all that we are and all that we mm. possibly can become. And I think it's a subtle, it's been a very subtle shift over the years. I, I think I was sharing with that back in the day, prior to the 1990s, um, most churches in America were born out of a prayer meeting and they actually were born kind of accidentally. Uh, there would be a miracle, there mm. would be an answer to prayer, something happened in a home, a group of people met in a basement, and it started to coalesce and become and suddenly they recognized the need for an ongoing uh, uh, fellowship or entity, and the church was born uh, as really the second idea. The first thing was, we need God to visit us. We need God to mm. answer prayer if someone is sick. You know, we're leading people to the Lord. Mm. We're having Bible study. 
to where it shifted in the 90s, everything is strategic. We're going to strategically plant a church. That's the end of this. And then we're going to work backwards from that idea and hopefully wedge into all of this the presence and the sovereignty and the, yeah. uh, the miracles of God have got to be fitted into this idea. It, so it kind of reversed in my estimation uh, around the 1990s. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we can even, yeah. And maybe it'll come up even later in, as we're talking about North Central and just the atmosphere um, in the chapel and just leadership and direction you've given there to, um, to bring us, closer to to God's intended pattern of, of how he does of how he does relationships so that's 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 awesome well yeah Scott I just remember um, meeting you for the first time and just a special memory uh, that has turned into just uh, what I love about my relationship with you I remember um, your first year I had actually written my first song which turned into um, always remain, which became an anthem for North Central. And so I, I just remember like being in the kind of the behind the scenes, a younger student had been a part of writing the song and you just being super mega intentional to find out who it was, come introduce yourself to me, thank me for being a part of it. And uh, I just, man, that was so special to me, which that led to um, you speaking at my home church where I was working at the time at Summit. And uh, just an unbelievable circumstance, you meeting with my senior pastor, uh, trying to figure out how you could bless, you know, how, how our church could bless North Central. And I think the story goes, you just said, hey, scholarships, man, we want to want to pour into this next generation. And so, like, there's this just moment and, and all of a sudden, an hour later, you guys are on platform giving me a scholarship to North Central as blessing me, just the yeah. whole thing and the, the whole gambit. And then um, what a special memory. And since then, you've just been so intentional with relationship and, and face recognition and remembering names. And I've just mm-hmm. so valued and appreciated, um, you know, your first year, all of a sudden you're connecting with me, connecting with students, and I've just loved it and mega appreciation for you ever since. Well, uh I appreciate that, Taylor. And I remember the always remain moment. Literally, that was my first couple days at the school. I was there kind of in the spring of 17, um, doing some orientation time there. So I think the song was released. Was it released around March or April of 17, uh, right toward the end of the school year? Yeah, probably. Uh, and Gordon was still, Gordon Anderson was still the president, but I was on campus. Mm. And I heard the song, and it, it just, it, I was undone. I, I go, this song it can give us, uh, really, it's our anthem. And it, it was so powerful to have that right out of the, the gate uh, of my presidency, that song. Um, I will never forget it. Mm. And I just thought it, to this day, it's still one of the great songs uh, our school has ever produced. It's gone around the world, and it's just been a powerful song. But, yeah, that was a great God moment, uh, Tanner, 100%. Yeah, yeah, man. That's cool. So, Scott, um, tell our listeners just a little bit about your family, your wife and your kids. Um, yeah, I mean, we could take the next six hours if you want <laughs> to talk about that. No, uh, you know, Karen and I, it's interesting. We're having an interesting summer. We both turned 59, and we celebrated our 39th year of marriage. Wow. So next summer, next summer is the 60-40. Yeah. Uh, it is. We both turned 60, and we'll have a 40 years of marriage. Mm. And I really view those numbers— uh, like currency, like wealth. Yeah. Those numbers to me represent uh, the goodness of God, not the brevity of life or like, they don't represent irrelevance to me. They represent convergence to me. Mm. And so, 
you know, one of the great verses of the Bible, Ecclesiastes 520, this is kind of our marriage family verse. It says, for the godly person does not often think about the years of their life, for the Lord keeps them preoccupied with the gladness of their heart. Mm-hmm. So you literally, in this in this day and age where everybody is fretting over a squandered life, like, oh, I squandered these years, and they look to the left, to the future, and they go, oh my goodness, the brevity is right in front of me. So I'm out of time, and the time I had, I wasted, mm-hmm. and this and the devil just beats people up in that space. Mm-hmm. And they literally uh, become preoccupied with the wrong thing. The Bible says that we can become preoccupied with the gladness of our heart, that we literally lose track of, of time. Hmm. So we're not obsessing over a squandered years of regret. The Lord has restored those. And we're, we have no concern about the brevity in front of us. And I think it's one of the great mental health coping verses, Ecclesiastes 5.20, uh, I've ever found in the Bible. And that really kind of frames our family life, our marriage. Uh, we just are blessed. We're enjoying uh, this space and grace in our life. Ten grandkids now. Mm. Uh, all, all four of our kids have married. And so we've gone through all the life stages of high school, college, kids getting married, them having babies, yeah. uh, empty nesting. And so, but we, we really have uh, renewed our realization that we have a phenomenal love story hmm. uh, that started before any of this. We, she fell in love with me before I ever preached and before she was ever who she is. Hmm. And then, then all this other stuff happened after we fell in love and became one. Hmm. And then, so whatever we were at the beginning is still intact. Hmm. And so even though uh, we're, you know, it's kind of funny. I live in an apartment here in downtown Minneapolis. And we, when we first got married, we moved into this little tiny, tiny, tiny apartment. I tell people it was so small, you could sit on the toilet and cook pancakes. <laughs> uh, you could flip a pancake while sitting on the toilet around the wall. It was That's how tight this thing was. Oh, man. And uh, if you put wheels on it, it was a camper shell. Or, or, <laughs> uh, but I said, hey, honey, what if I told you back in 82, we're in that apartment. I said, let's go ahead 40 years. I said, and we're living in a rented apartment. I said, <laughs> Do you take the deal? You know nothing <laughs> between. You know nothing between these two points of reference. Do you still take the deal? And she told me, absolutely not. I would not <laughs> That's that amazing. <laughs> so we, we we obviously we have a life and we have our home we have in California that we kept. And uh, but it, it's been it's it's a beautiful season. We're just trying to keep our health and we're trying to. Uh, breathe every day in, in the Lord and just to uh, not be swept away by all of the cultural winds and the distractions and just st- trying to stay intimate with Jesus and the word and keeping it as, as simple as possible um, and trying to you know keep our Holy Spirit poised in the midst of um, yep. all of this mayhem. Yep, and it has been mayhem. We're going to get to that for sure. Well, Scott, you're such a gifted uh, person, gifted leader, and you steward that so well. And as a result of that, um, you know, over these last 40 years, God has given you significant um, positions of leadership with great influence. Um, and now you're, I think, in your fifth year as president of North Central. It's hard to believe I just started my fifth year. Yeah. Uh, it's just hard. It's hard to fathom. That. <laughs> I know. I know. So what I would love our listeners to hear first um, is 
you know, when you have these different positions and you're going through the transition of them, there's, there is a, there is a process of, of God directing and God speaking. Um, and so I love our listeners to hear from our guests, you know, what does it sound like when you hear from the Lord? What, you know, when you, when you hear, uh, when you sense God directing, um, and so however you want to frame, phrase that, um, frame that I, 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 I would for sure love to hear the story of you, of how it unfolded with you coming to North Central. But if you want to add in some other transitions too, of, of, of just what it sounds like for you to, to hear God's voice and sense God's direction. It's a, it's, it's a very powerful uh, question that requires, you know, some honesty and some retrospect. Um, I would frame it this way. I've always separated the idea of planning from preparation. So mm. I plan, you know, we all plan our day mm-hmm. and we set aside, you know, at the hour of prayer. You know, there was that time every day that they could be found doing this. So we we plan our life to be spiritually intentional. We may frame it as spiritual disciplines, um, but really we, we plan our day in order to uh, expose our heart to the Lord on a regular basis to the word and to the invitation of his presence in order that we can live with a prepared heart. Um, so what I mean by a prepared heart, a prepared heart is a heart that is always uh, attuned to the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. to the unexpected serendipities where the Lord drops something in your heart. It could be language. He puts he puts a feeling and a phrase in your heart that mm. you never saw coming. Mm. It could be in the middle of a conversation. So if you don't have a prepared heart, um, you can't receive those things. Or, mm. you, or you pass by a situation, you see Maybe it's an artifact laying on a shelf, or maybe it is a sign on a billboard, or it is a scene of humanity around you. And the Holy Spirit helps you notice something. He's trying to say something to you by something you've noticed with with the human eye. The prepared heart is able to receive that. Mm. So we we have to live, you know, planning is about our calendars. Uh, preparation is about our heart, mm. and they're two separate things. Uh, they are tied that the more we plan our time with the Lord, the more it cultivates a heart that's prepared. Yeah. So the Lord speaks to me uh, at times out of a planned time with Him, mm. but most of the time He speaks outside of that space. It's mm. almost like in the Old Testament with the tents, the 70 elders, you know, Moses establishes this protocol of the elders in the tent. And the first thing the Lord does is violate the protocol. <laughs> and two people uh, prophesy from outside the tent. Mm. So it, no matter what structure we set up, no matter how we plan our day, the Lord is always moving outside that tent and outside that protocol. And I think if our hearts are prepared, and you see that like for Aaron and Miriam, they were offended that the Lord moved outside of the tent. Uh, and, and Moses's uh, executive leaders were uh, baffled. While why what we can't accept this? This is outside of the tent. So I just see the Lord operating in both spaces, inside the tent, outside the tent. He operates uh, in my plan times with Him, mm-hmm. and then He operates primarily outside that plan time 
if my heart is prepared, if that makes sense. No, that's so good. And, and as you describe that, I think of, I think of two phrases uh, from the New Testament. I think of the phrase we hear living in the spirit. And I think of the phrase by Paul, pray without ceasing. And I even think of the phrase that the Lord's given me to use, living in awe of God in that place of uh, acknowledging, welcoming, and engaging. And sometimes we, we can over-spiritualize those things and, and, and miss what you're describing of that, our part in the relationship, staying, staying engaged in our part of the relationship mm-hmm. so that so that so that when God does speak, we we've got an ear in mm-hmm. tune and we can respond. So how did that play out um, in uh, your most recent transition in coming to North Central? Um, very, very powerful story. Uh, so in the spring of 2016, uh, we're living uh, at the zenith of our local church ministry. We're enjoying life. Um, kids are, most of them are married, got a grandkid on the way, and we're living in Sacramento. And right after the third service on a Sunday morning, I'm out in the lobby. It's packed. It's everything you want in life. It's going well and vibrant. And this woman walks up to me. Her name is Tina, very respected prayer warrior in our church, um, Was um, comes from the Ukraine uh, and she is prophetic, and she said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And she drops this bombshell on me. She <laughs> says, I had a dream last night, and the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's about to set you over a vast army, hmm. and that he is setting you over a vast army so that you can teach a new generation how to love the Lord and love their neighbor. Wow. Um, and it's like, what? Um, I'm already over a vast mm-hmm. army. <laughs> a multi-site church. Where we've got two schools. We're having a great time here. And what scared me was our, the district I was a part of in the Assemblies of God out there, the superintendent had retired, and they were going to be electing a new superintendent. Mm. And I was afraid for a moment that the Lord was preparing me for that. Mm. And so I told my wife the prophecy. She said, well, it can't be the district. Uh, because there was nothing in the prophecy about a valley of dry bones. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! So I, we joke about that. I, I'm being facetious. That's amazing. Uh, I had zero interest in that. So mm-hmm. that was on a Sunday. That Tuesday of that week, um, I was scheduled to preach in Des Moines, Iowa, for the Iowa District Council. So I flew out of Sacramento on that Monday morning, flew to Iowa, Des Moines First Assembly, and I was preaching there. And the superintendent at that time, Tom Jacobs, after two days, I preached, we knew each other a little bit, but I preached for a couple of days and did a leadership yeah, stuff. And I was in the middle of my PhD at Gonzaga. Anyway, he stops me in the lobby and he said, hey, Scott, can I talk to you? He says, um, this is not public, but I'm on the board of regents at, at North Central and Gordon Anderson is going to be retiring. And he looked at me and he said, Scott, I think you were born for this job. Mm. And when Tom Jacobs said that to me in the spring of 16, my heart dropped. Mm. And I knew this was the vast army Mm. that the Lord was going to place me over. And I knew in one second I was going to become the president of North Central. Now, I say that to say I also know this is a human process Mm -hmm. and that it could not happen because it's a human process. But 
quite honestly, I knew instantly that this is the prophetic thing that woman was. So then you're in a dilemma. You have to treasure something. You have to moderate your life because you're still leading a great church and it could not happen. So you're carrying this tension inside of you. And, you know, there was 120 people that uh, were contacted for the job uh, applications. Mm. They narrowed it to 40 to 20 to 10. And through the process, I kept saying, you know, I've, I've given all my expectations to you, Lord, mm. on this. Um, and because it could very well not happen. There's 120 people who also feel exactly the way I might feel right now. And one person's going to end up in this role. So it, it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of an emotional quagmire you're in right there. It didn't paralyze me, but um, it really made me attuned mm-hmm. uh, to the Lord and trusting God. Because you have to pour your heart into the possibility over those next nine months, as well as hold it loosely in yeah. hand. And how, yeah. how, do you, how do you each do this? Came down to four of us. They did the interviews. And so in December of 16, and then, of course, uh, I was invited uh, to serve as president in February of 17. Wow. So, but I really knew a year earlier when Tom Jacobs said that prophetically it was going to happen. Um, so I had this odd piece. I was, I was never nervous in any interview. You know, I, I tell people there, there's two kinds of leaders in this world. The first kind of leader sets out to do something. The second leader sets out to prove something. Hmm. And you, you, you never want to be the leader who's trying to prove something. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people are motivated in leadership. They're trying to prove people were wrong about them, prove that they were overlooked, prove that people have not seen them or heard them, and they're just driven to prove their worth. That will always backfire. Um, you, you do need to set out to do something for the kingdom of God. Uh, but I'm not out to prove something to you. Um, and so I really had that release that, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, but if I'm not chosen, it's not going to create mm. a disappointment. Now, it would it would take two, I told them in the interview, it'll take me a couple days. I mean, when you've thought about something for nine months yeah. and you've prepared and it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. it takes a few days, you got to walk around and take a little walk in the woods and talk to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but I said, I'll be okay. Um, um, but it might take me a day or two because I've, I've poured my heart into the possibility, yeah. uh, but I will not live disappointed if mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of how it all unfolded. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, in that process, in that nine month process, do you remember any specific things that the Lord or even others said to encourage you throughout that process? Well, I, <laughs> I did, you know, talk uh, to a small handful of trusted friends. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a momentum in my, because I wasn't coming from higher ed. And there yeah. really was a feeling, do, do not bring us a pastor. We don't need a pastor. We want a, a professional in higher ed. Mm. So there, there's that, there is that crossroads, I think, that universities uh, like more central that is seeking to be an on-fire Christian university, Pentecostal university, um, is trying to find how do we operate as a world-class educational institution and compete with University of Minnesota mm-hmm. and everybody else that's around us. We, we, we compete against those educationally, but yet we have this distinctive that these other schools do not carry the burden. You know, at North Central, 
you know, it's not about being a Christian university. It's about being an on fire Christian university. Mm. And most Christian universities around America, the president doesn't carry the burden for being, uh, for the absence of God's presence mm. on campus. Mm. Um, they just want to make certain that their, their orthodox orthodoxy is in place and that they are uh, truth telling with their theology curriculum. But whether kids are into chapel or not is not a concern. Man, at North Central, I'm entirely judged by the vibrancy of that chapel experience. <laughs> is the presence of God still on that campus? Mm. So we are utterly unique in the United States in that, in that regards um, because we play such a central theme on um, fire and scholarship as a university. Uh, and so I think when I would talk to some trusted friends in higher ed and others, they all said, we can, we completely see you in this role, Scott. Uh, if this was done full, this would make complete sense. Mm. And so I think that gave me a confidence uh, that, you know, because the minute it happened, you know, that feeling of exposure that you're a fraud, you should not be in this role, uh, hits you. Because uh, I come out of the Bible college days of the Assemblies of God, in which they were just, you know, 90% of the students there were studying for the ministry. You know, there was very few English and social work and mathematics majors, if any, in the yeah. Bible college I went to. Well, now you're balancing all of those dynamics um, as uh, in this great commission university, which I absolutely believe in and, and see the absolute value in watering this earth with all of these spirit-filled leaders and all of these disciplines. Um, it's right in my sweet spot. And so, but, you know, I know that, but people perceiving you as that coming in, it takes a minute for you to win their hearts and their minds. Yeah. Before I forget, I just want to say that uh, I am a 1985 grad of North Central University. <laughs> and Taylor, you are what year? A 2018 grad. 2018 grads. And my wife attended there and my daughter Kelsey and her husband both graduated from there. So Scott, it's been a great four years. It's been a challenging for sure last couple years. So you know, higher education um, has f across the board been a challenging uh, endeavor because of all the different types of ways you can be educated these days and because of the rising costs of it. But then here in Minneapolis, you know, I mean, everybody has faced the COVID issues, but then here in Minneapolis, we've faced the riots and all of that stuff. And so you guys have had just a huge mountain to climb and we're so thankful and blessed that you are there mm -hmm. to lead the charge. Yep. But uh, yeah, just tell our listeners the journey of the last couple of years and how you've seen you know, relationship with God and, and relationship with others be the, the foundation that, that's helped bring you through to where you are and to where you're going. Yeah, and I really want to affirm uh, the whole uh, theological bent of the podcast and really the life message uh, for you guys is about relationship and mm. uh, the whole concept of of revelation and response mm. um, is is powerful to me. I've used it many times. It lived the moment I heard it. It became embedded into my consciousness, my spirit, my mm. language. Um, it really was that powerful. Mm. And I'd never heard it that simply stated. It was like, well, of course, that's what it is. Mm. <laughs> I just had never heard anybody say it that way. Mm. So I've quoted 
you many, many times. I probably am not giving you the credit. You <laughs> um, but that's great. Thank you for that. Thank you. Obviously, you know, spring of 2020, uh, we were uh, the report I received. You know, we were headed toward 247 incoming high school freshmen, which would have been the most in school history, mm. and uh, 90 transfers. So, uh, an incoming class of about 337 in the fall. Uh, that's not online. That was going to be residential. Wow. Um, in the fall of 2020, and then I say the bombs fell. Yeah. Um, you know, with COVID and also the riots, we lost a hundred uh, students and deposits. Um, in that June and July of 2020, which was mm. devastating um, to the university and just the entire perception of Minneapolis across the nation just became almost at that point irreparable. Uh, you know, am I going to send my, my child to Minneapolis? I live in New Mexico. Do I want to send her to Minneapolis to go to college. Yeah. And, and, you know, for many of those, especially of our female students, the parents just love the school. But we're just afraid uh, because every night on the news, our city was under assault um, and perception. Um, you know, I did. I, I was at a conference recently, and I, I was with the, the superintendents of Washington and Oregon, and I took them aside and thanked them because Portland and Seattle uh, made Minneapolis look pretty sane uh, <laughs> wow. last year. So I, I thank them for the craziness <laughs> in their two cities uh, that it really helped me. You know, in Minneapolis, of course, we live here. We love the downtown. It's safe. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and in many ways, it's far better than it was in the 80s um, and, and the 70s in many respects. But, you know, when the when the riots happened, uh, it, it you're, you're crying out to God and you are playing high speed three dimensional chess. Uh, mm. You know, that is like, how, how do we navigate this? And it's only because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that you can, you believe that your instincts, because you don't have time to think about mm. strategies. It's like, okay, we need to make this decision, this decision, mm. and we have we basically have a minute to make this decision. Mm. What are we going to do next? And so you're praying that the Holy Spirit is filling every portion of your brain and your heart and your collective counsel. And all I can say is that he was faithful. He has done that. Um, mm. You know, we we obviously have had, like every other college in general, higher education has been, is, is college worth it? You know, I have a deep belief that it is worth it as long as it doesn't, you know, bankrupt uh, students. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to figure out low and no debt uh, experiences for students. And I think we're doing a phenomenal job. We, we, without a doubt, as far as the Sons of God schools, we have the highest ratio of debt-free and awesome. low-debt graduates in America because mm. the job downtown and we are very robust with our scholarships um, and so we're excited about all of that you know partners for progress is coming up october 28th uh big night for the university here in downtown um in which we raise scholarships so all of that creates really an ethos of possibility and you know i think the incubator of the city is still the best learning uh environment in america you know we're only one of three inner city urban universities that are fully accredited uh, that are that are uh, faith-centered i don't say faith-based i'll say faith-centered uh, universities uh, us moody and, and king's college in new york so we're entirely unique in our um, approach and i think we're the only uh, pentecostal fully accredited urban inner city university in the country and so wow. we love that space. We call ourselves Downtown U, Great Commission U. Um, and it's, it's just becoming, I still think it's a destination college for people. 
Um, and now things are looking very positive for next fall. Uh, we will, you know, have a, you know, the riots hurt us in the fall of or fall of 2020. The COVID year hurt us this fall because mm-hmm. we had no camps and conventions yeah. in the previous cycle. Yeah. All that's coming back in play now. And mm-hmm. I feel very excited about the future of the school. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the riots, what sparked all that was the whole country is aware and a lot of the world about the incident of George Floyd um, and his life taken. Um, uh, but North Central has had some great relational connections as a result of that and was a very important uh, played a very important part in that whole process. So, um, you know, most of our listeners are not going to know that story. Tell us that story with North Central. Yeah, thank you for asking, and because uh, I think it is a powerful uh, story. Uh, as you know, the city was burning uh, to the ground. I thought, you know, we got our windows busted out some of the buildings at North Central. I thought, uh, give it another night or two, the fires are going to reach uh, right down Chicago, mm. and we could find our school on fire. Mm. It, it was that um, intense. And so I got a call on that Friday night after uh, George Floyd lost his life on Monday, on Friday, from a 20-year friend, Ellington Porter, who's on our staff here. H- him and his brother were helping the family, and they said, would it be possible for North Central to have a small family gathering? They use the word small. Mm-hmm. Family <laughs> gathering for the family to grieve and I said, uh, Ellington, it's a Christian uh, funeral, right? And he said, yes. It, it, so I, I go, okay. So I, 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 I'm sitting there in my apartment here downtown, and, I, and my thumb is on my phone. I'm going to type one of two syllables, Y-E-S or N-O. Hmm. And I thought, fascinating that leadership does come down to a yes-no answer. At mm-hmm. times. And you're a gatekeeper, and you go, what's on the other side of this syllable? And I played out the word no, and I thought I would have felt, um, lousy the rest of my life. It would have gnawed at me that I was a coward mm. um, as a pastor. I've always opened up my church to be able to help people. So I called the board chairman, Rob Bontrager, and then our executive committee, and I said, I just really feel like the Lord wants us to have a table of healing, and that like Elisha, when he found out that the widow's son had died, he said to the widow, how can I help? And I, I just really feel like we've got to help he didn't say, how can I prophesy? How can I lead? But how can I help? And then Paul comes back from his third missionary journey, and they tell him the city of Jerusalem is, is, is on fire, and we have a riot outside. And they say, can you go shave your head, pay the vows, go in the temple to calm the riot? And I really felt like we had to do something to calm the riot down, and how could we help, and table of healing. So all that converged in seconds from the Holy Spirit hmm. to formulate uh, the yes. Now, I, I still had approval from the Board of Regents Executive Committee. So, um, you know, I'm still lead an institution and I, I'm still under authority. So we had to, but they were 100%, let's do this. And then it emerged over those uh, 72 hours into this global event that, um, you know, was seen by 100 million people. Hmm. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, controversy with it, obviously. Yep. Yep. Uh, people saw it as a political gesture. Uh, uh, that's just not accurate at all. It was a pastoral gesture. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to be careful. I don't want to come across boasting with what I'm about to say. But when I stepped off the stage uh, from the funeral, the media team from Goff Public that was running all the media requests, we had 300 media outlets there, 500 mm-hmm. requests, which is Super Bowl level media requests. Um, they 
he said, hey, listen, Lester Holt wants you on the nightly news in 45 minutes. Mm. The Today Show wants you in the studio in the morning. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson and Hannity wants you on tonight. Joy Reid wants you on MSNBC tomorrow. Dale Hughley would like you on his show. And I felt the Holy Spirit. I was I had taken two steps off the platform. Mm. He's telling me this, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is a trap. Don't do any of that. Oh, wow. And so, you know, if I was 48, I probably would have done it. But when you're 58, 59, you have a different perspective. Hmm. I, I, I felt like, no, I'm going to stay in the pastor educator space. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to get into the entertainment political space because I know what's what will happen on these shows. And do not be a face of anything. Hmm. You just be a voice. And this was about um, helping minister to some hurting people. That's all this was. Wow. There's no other agenda at work here. And so that was probably the, the wisest thing I've ever done in my Life uh, is not go on all those shows that day wow. and to lay more uh, in a different place. So then about uh, a week later, I get a call from uh, a man named Eugene Rivers. He's from Harvard. Him and his wife, his wife teaches there. He's the head of the Seymour Institute in um, Boston and very renowned man. He's 70 years old, African-American man. And he's uh, heads up the public policy arm for the Catholic Church and for the Kojic Church. Um, in Washington, and just a very prominent thinker, intellectual, Pentecostal guy. And he said that he was on a conference call with Cardinal Dolan and with uh, Robert George from Princeton, Cornell West from Harvard, this group of people. And they were dialoguing, and they couldn't figure out how in the world North Central University and George Floyd, this is not possible. Hmm. And he said, sir, in, in my opinion, the fact that you guys allowed George Floyd to lay in your house mm. uh, was the most disruptive act of kindness in a hundred years in the United States when it comes mm. to um, social unrest. Wow. We can't think of a more uh, disruptive, shocking image than how did George Floyd end up at this at <laughs> College? Wow. And, uh, um, and he said, uh, now he said, you'll probably lose your job over doing it because we know how this world works. Uh, he says, I uh, hope that doesn't happen to you, sir, but in our opinion, the fact that George Floyd laid in your house took 50% of the violence out of the United States that day. Wow. Uh, had that happened in, an, in another type of setting, um, the vitriol and emotion would have been um, only carried into bloodshed that night. Wow. The, <clears throat> so that was his opinion. Mm. You know, he goes, uh, "That's I just wanted to offer mm. that. I'm, I'm not saying that my, that's not coming from my perspective, but that was the impact it had. Hmm. And just some tremendous doors. And uh, and it just, again, it was a pastoral uh, uh, extension or gesture, not a political one. It, even though it was misunderstood by many people, uh, it's still, I'm a pastor at the end of the day, and, and uh, I just think it's where Jesus wanted us to be. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Now, I have the privilege of sitting on the alumni board at North Central, so I've got a few insights that uh, others may not have. But as a result of that, I mean, there was there was some donations, some new donors that came in that had never even heard of North Central, right? Yeah, we, we you know we launched the Floyd Scholarship, yep. you know, as a way to to recognize the significance of the moment. Mm -hmm. And I just really felt that educational generosity would be a fast way to bring healing. And, you know, for those that remember the memorial, I got up five minutes into the memorial and to pray. And then 
uh, said that we want to look to the future and a new generation of of um, of young black students that to resource them so they don't end up like George. And this standing ovation happened that was thunderous, hmm. and and it just turned the whole uh, memorial into this positive. It's like it's like that scholarship was a tiny keyhole of, hmm. of sunlight, piercing this terrible moment of anxiety mm-hmm. uh, in the country and <clears throat> there's been over you know north central probably about six hundred thousand dollars was sent in uh all going to students we have two fully funded uh floyd scholarship award winners wow. these two young men are the finest young men you ever met mm-hmm. in your life over 50 universities across the country yale michigan minnesota i can go on about penn state and they all attribute it to the North Central uh, call uh, that they saw on television. And wow. probably over $50 million has been raised in new educational dollars. Mm. Uh, but, you know, wow. so the Lord, the Lord uh, uh, has really uh, mm-hmm. created something, I think, very redemptive. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's just – and I just love uh, just hearing all those relational connection stories that, that come out of that. Um, so earlier you had mentioned briefly Partners for Progress. So this is a, a very significant annual support raising dinner that North Central, North Central hosts every fall. So just briefly, just tell our listeners a little bit more about that dinner, the significance of it, how they can uh, get a seat at a table. Oh, without a doubt. It, it, for those familiar with it, or even if you're not familiar, this is the 54th year of the Partners for Progress. It's held in a beautiful downtown location at the depot hotel um right there on washington and we've had probably at the height maybe 520 uh, we're expecting around 530 uh, people we're gonna have our largest crowd it'll be filled mm. we have about 330 uh seats taken so far but we still have uh, almost two and a half three weeks to go uh, it's october 28th and it is going to be a spectacular, spectacular experience. Um, you can go on North Central website, just type in Partners for Progress, North Central University. It will share the link. I think this is the most important Partners uh, for Progress in 54 years in okay. school history. The, we haven't all been together in two years. And to see that army of people that feel deep affection for this great college uh, convene. Uh, yes, that night we were raising money. I have to raise a million dollars a year in scholarship money. That's just part of the president's job. Mm. And we want to come out of that night with uh, hitting at least at the halfway mark of yeah. five hundred thousand raised. And we're 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 well on our way. And uh, it's just going to be a great night. Also, Larry Bach, who has been mm-hmm. uh, an icon at this university for. He was going to retire last year. We begged him to come back because of COVID. Yep. So it's his 41st year, but that will be Larry's, uh, one of his great nights. Uh, uh, we're going to honor him. And then, um, so it'll be Larry's last, as a professor, his last partners for progress. And um, it's going to be a great night. Yeah, Yes. For anybody sure. connect with North Central, we would love to have you there. Yeah, Larry's first year in North Central was my freshman year in 1981. Wow. So we go wow. way back together. Wow. Uh, yeah, we will for sure include the link to that in the notes of the podcast here. Uh, North Central's website is northcentral.edu, but we'll get the specific link for the partners for that. Um, uh, lastly, Scott, you've written a, a couple unique uh, leadership books. Um, yeah, just tell our listeners how those are laid out. 
Yeah, the first book uh, is called The Language of Influence and Personal Power. It's just a collection of leadership sayings mm -hmm. um, that is really kind of shockingly uh, gone around uh, the, the country and even beyond uh, where thousands and thousands of these uh, books have been distributed. And it's, it's great for personal leadership growth. It's also great for teams, companies. Uh, the Green Bay Packers used it this year. Uh, uh, the Yankees have used it. I can go on and on. I mean, I think the Vikings need to use it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, it's just really a magnificent book. It's called The Language of Influence and Personal Power. And it's little fingertip sayings, 316 of these discussion starters on leadership. Yeah, just provide people the new and fresh way. Yeah, it's this laid out so cool. Every, every, literally every page is a, a statement, is a saying. Yep. And it's, it's just, it, it's found it's uh, really a, a way into, you look, people keep it on their desk. I have people who say they use it every day. Uh, they keep it on their desk, flip the pages. They're about to walk into a meeting and it just helps stir them. And then uh, the other book's a brand new book called On Call Heroes. And this is an exciting book. I was approached by a publisher in Nashville uh, to write, uh, to do all the captions for a gift book for first responders in the United States. I don't know, have you guys seen this book yet? Have you got your- uh, I don't think so. So uh, it just came out. Um, and the difficulty is uh, there's no cardboard in the United, it's a hardback book. Mm. It's a gift book, there's no cardboard. So there's only about 6,000 copies printed. I actually have, some of those, uh, we, uh, maybe 1,500 of those left at the university. Um, so the publisher is waiting to get 100,000 printed. I was mm. supposed to be at Fox and Friends um, with this book. Um, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year. Yeah. But this, it's a gorgeous book about, um, it's a gift book for firefighters, police officers, and for first responders. And it's so a lot of churches, I was just at River Valley and preached for Rob Ketterling, and uh, I think, 600 of the books were, were sold that day, which mm -hmm. is a, just an astronomical amount of books. Mm -hmm. People getting them for their friends and, of course, responders, giving them to police officers. And, wow. and so that book that just came out. Wow, it that's should huge. Be on, should be on Amazon here very shortly. That's, that's, if, if, if you're interested, you can get them to Yeah, Yeah, that's incredible. Well, before we let you go here, um, we want to bring on our honorary member of the podcast. He's made an appearance at just about every episode here. And so, um, uh, Billy Bob McCall, you're on with Scott Hagen. No way. No way. I, I'm on with president Scott Hagen. President Hagen. Is that you? It, it is. And I think I found my lost cousin, uh, from Oregon. I am sure. I am sure we're related somewhere. If we go back far enough, I'm, I've never spoken to a president before. Wow. I'm just, if Billy Bob were ever speechless, this would be the moment. I'm so honored to speak with you. Now, President Hagan, let me just say, I know a thing or two about a thing or two, and I got a little insight, insight into you. I got to ask you about, I heard, I heard that you just missed meeting Mother Teresa. Now, come on, tell me, President Hagan, how does someone just miss meeting one of the most famous women in the world, Mother Teresa? <laughs> did I hear that right? Well, you did hear it right. That is accurate. I no was, way. No way. I was I was in Calcutta, India with Holda Buntain, uh, Mother Teresa's best friend. 
And Holda said, we're going to have breakfast at mother's house oh my. her apartment in the morning. So we drove there. And as we arrived to her apartment, uh, the person that was attending the apartment said that they apologized profusely, but the Pope had called mother what? to the Vatican. And so in the middle of the night, she had to leave for the Vatican. And so from that point forward, I've always had a problem with the Pope. I've always had a, a little uh, feeling about the Pope that took Mother Teresa. It was just going to be Holda Buntain, myself, and Mother Teresa no for breakfast in her apartment. Oh, Trisha. my God. You just missed having breakfast with Mother Teresa. Oh, man. What a story. What a story. Well, I got such a, just a tremendous respect and appreciation for you, President Hagan. Thank you so much for what you're doing for North Central University. I just say, God bless you, my new friend. God bless you. Well, God bless you, and this has been a, a revisit to Hee Haw, my favorite show in childhood. So <laughs> That's great. Billy Bob loves talking to our guests. Well, it's so cool hearing so much of your story shoved into this one-hour conversation, and uh, I just think, I was sitting here listening, and it's crazy to see where you were from the first conversation, the lady named Tina walking up to you and having no idea what the future looks like and all of that, like, you know, and then you come in and you, and I'm a student there and you get your inauguration with no idea what the next five years are going to look like mm. and how God has seen all of this from before time and to know, like, you know, to, to you and your willingness and obedience and experience to be somebody that's willing to sit on his couch and say yes when it's hard. So it's just been cool to see connection after connection in this whole relational pattern of five years, really, and yeah. what God is doing through you and how that's affected us and so much. So, man, thank you for your mm -hmm. time thank and, you, thank and you. for what you're doing, man. Mm -hmm. And Taylor, I want you to know, I have the same feeling watching your life uh, <laughs> from that freshman kid to seeing how God is using you. I just want you to know it has the same impact on people my age mm. looking at you. Mm. So I'm proud of you, very proud Thanks, of you. Thanks, man. Love you, man. That's amazing. All right. All right, Scott. Thank you so much. We're so uh, so blessed and honored to have you. Have a great day and a great fall break. Great. Thank you. All right. Bye. Yeah. Well, we've got quite a few links available for you in the notes of this podcast. You can check out the link to Partners for Progress for North Central University. You can check out my new single, What You Gonna Do. And as always, you can head to worshipislife.org. My name is Scott Hagen, and you are listening to the Worship is Life podcast.